Amen. Thank you very much. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And visitors, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate that. We do want to invite you back to, of course, all of our services. They all offer something unique and different when it comes from God's Word to try and strengthen you and help you. And we certainly need principles of which to live by. People have really have no clue how to make decisions, what's right, what's wrong nowadays. But the Lord really does provide the answers. He is that rock, that stability, that guidance where you can have confidence and peace in a very confusing world and knowing which way to go. And uh, normally we are in the book of Acts. We're an exciting time in the book of Acts right now. Again, Acts chapter 17. And uh, we will be back in there next Sunday morning. <clears throat> and uh, anyhow, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And before I read this verse, and this apply, although I am preaching to moms today, you will see that the principle I'm dealing with applies to every single Christian. Um, but I wanted to... Some of these things are sort of serious and funny at the same time. There's about 20-some here. I'm just going to give about five of these out. But principles of motherhood. Number one here, it said motherhood. If it was going to be easy, it never would have started off with something called labor. Secondly here, to be in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. Number third one here. Raising a teenager is like nailing jello to a tree. The joy of motherhood. This is the joy of motherhood. What a woman experiences when all the children are finally in bed. <laughs> Next one. Any child can tell you that the sole purpose of a middle name is so he can tell when his mom thinks he's in trouble. I think I'll stop there with that one. I know that was the only time I heard my name. I want to say, of course, Happy Mother's Day to my mom. And if I, if, if I heard my middle name, there was no doubt uh, I did something. And Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5 says this, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for our church. Lord, we ask for your protection upon it, your help upon it. Lord, may we may we glorify and honor you in what we do as a church. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon the service now that you would, Lord, please use me. Help me to stay true to your word. Control what I say and how I say it. Lord, may your spirit work. Lord, may it teach us and encourage and reprove, rebuke. Do what it needs to be done to draw us closer to you. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, I pray for that conviction and that drawing. They would see the truth, the importance, Lord, of what you have provided in order to save us from judgment to come. So we pray for their salvation. Lord, please bless now. Lord, I love you and I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. I don't think there's a culture in the world that doesn't recognize the special bond that a, a mother has with her children. And that certainly is earned. With all the time and energy that a mother spends in the life of her child. As the, as the dad and the husband goes out and provides and he is in, in the job and in the career. And the mom with all of their influence in raising those children. A bond is formed. Of course, bond forming well before even birth takes place for that matter. 
and that specialness that begins to develop with the life of that child. To the point when they're, we've all seen it on, on television or interviews or whatever, and somebody gets on TV and they say, Hi, Mom. It's, it's rarely you ever see Hi, Dad and something like that. But that is because of the special bond that is there. That, that's, that's part of the joy of motherhood, the, 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 part of the reward that God gives to mothers who see the importance of that responsibility in what they have, that it's not less then, then how much more important it is than, than, than uh, some type of a, a career outside of that. The importance of being a mom. We recognize how much a mom does do for their children. It really is amazing. And teaching their children daily life skills. From things like how to go to the bathroom. How to walk. Talk how to deal with relationships with each other, how they're dealing with siblings and other children. Beginning to teach them how to demonstrate love, how to demonstrate patience, how to share, how to show grace. And all these things are certainly needed and all these things are good. There's one thing that I really want to focus on for today that I think is so needful. And it continues from what I preached on yesterday with the women of virtue. Women of virtue, we looked yesterday um, in the last session. And and, and by the way, Ali Oler and Rachel Jordan, you guys did a wonderful job yesterday. That was excellent. Um, Yesterday, I had preached uh, from the the little girl who was demon-possessed and her mother, who was a Gentile woman, Syrophoenician, came to Christ, wanting her daughter healed, knowing Christ could heal her daughter. And it was it's sort of a brutal response that Christ gives. When you, first, when you first read it, you're actually questioning, what is happening here? What is taking place? Because when, he first, when she first comes to Christ, begging him, please heal my daughter. She had heard of the fame of Christ, no doubt. Had seen his power, knew this man was different. There's something special about him. And, and, uh, um, and so she comes to him begging him to please, please heal my daughter. The mom pleading, so you're seeing the mom's prayer, the mom begging. And, and Christ's first response was complete silence. He said nothing. And we talked yesterday about how that can be difficult when God is silent. When you have a genuine need and God chooses silence in response to that need. And then she goes on. She stays persistent. She doesn't stop with her praying, begging Christ so much so the disciples by this time are saying, please, uh, tell her to go away. But the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he, the Lord knew. Understand this. He knew that in seconds that little girl was going to be completely healed. He already understood that. He knows the outcome of this. Nobody else does, but he does. And so, you know, the next thing he does as she she is continuing to to plead and to beg, it's almost this indifference. And she addressed him at first. How she was begging at first was like this, calling him, O son of David. But this is a Gentile woman now addressing him as this Jewish man. And so he responds in kind. I am not called but but to the lost house of the sheep of Israel. Then she changes. She doesn't quit with that indifference. 
Not at all. She continues, but she changes now how she addresses him. She now comes to him and says, Lord. She now falls down, worships him, and calls him Lord. Now she recognizes him as God. And yet she still got a very difficult answer. She was reproached by Christ. Christ making a reference to dogs. Now, the word he used, by the way, I pointed this out yesterday to the ladies. There's two, two words used for dogs. One is an insult, and one is more of what we would call a pet today. He used the second word. She doesn't stop, though. She stayed persistent. She knew what her daughter needed. She stays persistent, and she uses great humility and wisdom. She didn't let her pride, her ego get in the way. Could you imagine the Lord saying that to some of the ladies in America today? How dare you? Do you know who I am? I will have none of this. No. See, the problem is we really don't know who we are today. We have a false view of our worth. And she humbly came and agreed, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat from the crumbs of the table. And then we see the purpose in all of it with the Lord's next statement. He says, oh woman, great is thy faith. That's what the Lord was drawing out, was what great faith actually looks like. And at that moment, he healed her. It was done. And yesterday, talking about the importance of what our children need to see from from moms and dads. Really, uh, even if you have no children right now, whether it's others in your family, whether it's where you work, if you're going to have an influence and make a difference in the life in this wicked world that we live in, your faith is important. To be in a place where we actually have great faith. And so now, as we come to our text here, I want us to look at unfeigned faith. Boy, this is incredibly important in our day. And I think you'll see that by the time I'm done with this message. In the verse that we read is dealing, of course, with a man named Timothy. And Paul makes reference to the unfeigned faith that he had, but that he had received it in his life because it was in the life of his grandmother and it was in the life of his mother. Now, let's look at the effect on Timothy first. Before I get into this message, I want to review Timothy a little bit. This man, of course, we know, was, ends up becoming a very close, close friend of the Apostle Paul. A man that Paul would come to depend upon for the work of the ministry as the gospel was spreading throughout the world. Timothy was referred to as Paul's crown of rejoicing. We got to know him a little bit in the book of Acts with where we're at right now. We know that he was from Lystra. It's when he came to know the Lord. And Paul came through in his first missionary journey. That's when his grandmother, his mother, and himself would have come to know the Lord. They would have heard the gospel and placed their faith in Christ at this time. Timothy had a Greek father. Jewish mother. Of course, culturally where he was living, anywhere in the world, it would have been challenging to him. Growing up in that way, uh, from this marriage of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. But all the time, the Lord was using this to prepare for what Paul would need in his ministry. Incredible. Because of his upbringing, he's going to be perfect to work with the Apostle Paul. In the time between Paul's first and second missionary journey... 
Timothy had actually won over the admiration of the church that was started there. People saw something real in him. So much so that time Paul comes around on the second missionary journey, just he started off by going back into Galatia and checking on the churches that he had started. He comes across Timothy again and realizes, wow, this young man has really grown in the faith. Paul takes him with him. We're seeing that now as we're going through the book of Acts, how he's left him when Paul is thrown out of Thessalonica and he leaves Timothy behind. He becomes Paul's co-worker in the ministry. Not only that, but a very close and dear friend to the Apostle Paul. When he wrote 1 Timothy, even though he's a young man, he is past, Timothy is pastor at that time of one of the key churches, the church at Ephesus. Timothy is instrumental in the first century in the growth of Christianity. Timothy's name appears as co-author on 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. When Paul wrote to the Philippians about Timothy, he said, you know what, I have no one like him. When Paul was in prison awaiting martyrdom, he asked for his friend Timothy for a last farewell. In latter years, Timothy would serve as Paul's representative, where the Apostle Paul had established churches on his missionary journeys. He was Paul's problem solver, using him in very difficult churches that were struggling, like Ephesus and Corinth. Timothy was a faithful servant of God all of his days. He was highly thought of by the Christians in the first century. It is said that he died in the year 97 A.D. Murdered for his faith. What a mob of irate unbelievers stoned him for opposing their idolatry to the goddess Diana. So now we come back to our text. Things that were foundational in the life of this man who would be used of God greatly. And, and much of what God used to strengthen this man, the Lord used his mother to provide that. Paul gives that key in our text verse. Of what his mother, what his grandmother helped provide. And that was unfeigned faith. We also see that in this same epistle, here in just a couple of chapters, he's going to give something else that his mother and grandmother did for him. And that was they taught him the Word of God. There are a lot of responsibilities that parents have, dad and moms have, when it comes to raising children. There's things we want to provide education for them, help them to be responsible and provide for themselves in, in, in our culture. And those are good things. Boy, but above all, but above all, it's not even close to teach them to want to love and desire God. 
and a key, if that's going to take place, if that's going to take place, an unfeigned faith must be present. So let's look at this here this morning. As we read in our text, there was an unfeigned faith that Timothy had that dwelt first in his grandmother and in his mother, Eunice. And Paul said, I am persuaded that in thee also. So Paul connects it. The word unfeigned simply means this. Without hypocrisy, sincere. It's something that is genuine, that is real. So Timothy's mother lived a genuine, real faith before him. What Timothy saw uh, uh, when, his, when his mother converted, what, she, what he knew from her is that whatever it was she believed, she believed it. It was genuine and it was real. It wasn't fake. She wasn't a hypocrite. She was actually living the life before him. Timothy did not see mom one way at church and another way at home. She was without hypocrisy. It's so important that as we serve God that we're genuine and we're real about it. That that, that our children don't see us one way at church and another way at home. By doing so, we're instilling in them that really this is all just fake. It's just something we do. Our children need to be able to see a real and genuine faith in our life. A faith that is consistent, not a roller coaster. A faith, and this is, this is critical in our day, that has no other gods but the Lord. The amount of idolatry today is incredible. The amount of things that we put before God that we allow our family to see. Timothy saw in his mom, in his grandmother, a faith that was genuine. It was real. The importance of our children seeing parents who love God. Listen, and let me, let me stress this. They don't need to see perfection at all. Boy, don't put that on yourself. You will stress yourself out. Your children do not need to see perfection, nor will they ever see perfection from you. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to be real. That the times you do mess up, that they can't see where mom and dad say, man, I am sorry. Or they can see genuine repentance in their parents. I mentioned this yesterday. It was the reason why when, when you had the, the Gentile woman coming before Christ yesterday, the reason why Christ did what he did was he had to draw out great faith. That's why he did that. He knew he was going to heal, heal that little girl. In order for others to see great faith, do you know what almost always has to happen? Trials. Difficulties. Hardships. Storms. Apart from those, it's hard for others to see great faith. 
I mean, had the Lord just healed a child, people would have been amazed, but they never would have saw the great faith that that woman actually possessed. As I pointed out yesterday uh, uh, to the ladies when I was preaching, I said, I said if I, I'm going to ask you, tell me, give me an example of when David showed great faith. Again, the majority of us would think instantly of David and Goliath. Understandably so. Why? Because of what, what he was facing. We're, none of us are going to be at the times when everything was going well, because you can't see great faith. But when he was facing a giant, know what became evident? Great faith. Peter getting out of the boat in the midst of a storm with the the waves crashing, the wind blowing. Because of the storm, it helped demonstrate great faith. Parents, there are times when the Lord will bring into your family great trials. What an opportunity for your kids to see an unfeigned faith. And how we respond to those difficult times. I, I remember being challenged with it myself. I remember when, um, and many of you know the story, when we had started debutation that first week was very trying. The first seven days of debutation full time were horrible. Concluding with my motorhome being ripped open in a hospital emergency room parking lot when I just dropped off Daniel at the door, who at the time was 10 years old, and it, and it sliced right clean through his thumb, right through the joint, whoop, with a utility knife. Motorhome being ripped open, all these meetings coming open. We're one week into debutation. We've already had... Uh, um, the, the last seven days have already been so challenging. Now to have all this happened. And I got out. I saw the damage to the motorhome. I'm thinking of all these meetings I'm going to have to cancel. We're one week into this. And I'm leaning against the side of the motorhome. And Heather got out. And she is nine years old, I think, at the time. Eight or nine. And she had just had a surgery. She comes out, walks around, and sees that I am really bothered. And she just said... Daddy, what's wrong? And at that moment, I knew I got to hold this together. I got to hold this together right now. I can't, I can't let her see the the the, the frustration. I got to hold this together right now. There's something more important in place in this moment right now, and it's what that little girl's going to see. So I just hit her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I did not do that. No. Not only do they need to see an unfeigned, genuine faith when trials hit it, but this one's so this is just as important. They need to see it every day with consistency. Not just not just at certain times, but with consistency. Not perfection. Don't let your faith just have its box, if you will. Okay, it's time for church. Let's put our God time on now and head to church. 
They need to see that it's real and that it's genuine. I mean, look for the opportunities each day to demonstrate faith with your kids. Moms, when you're schooling them, when you're helping them, when you go to the store, when you're trying to find a parking spot, show how much greater your faith is than dad's. When that manager at the store is a complete jerk to you, show faith. Look for it in everyday ways to demonstrate that faith before your children. Another thing that I think is very important, let them see as a demonstration of faith, let them see you each day in your Bible and in prayer. Again, I am not at all for the demonstration of show and prayer. I, th- I think the only people that should ever see that should be your children. But as in New Guinea, it was easier with this tiny house we had. But the majority of the time, on purpose, I would leave the door open in the bedroom while I'd pray and read. So when they walked by, they could see it. They could see it taking place. Let them see it. Let them see that it's not a game to you. That it's just not just, just something we do. Understand this real faith, as we see in Timothy, has great influence in the lives of others. Moms, you can make a difference in the lives of your children like no other. Again, there's something special about that love between a mother and her children. Use that influence you have for God. It's why it's there. This is interesting. I came across this. I I was not aware of this. An author had pointed this out. France had 69 kings. Of the 69 kings that France had, only three of them were genuinely loved by the people. That's scary to think about, actually. Only three. But what was unique about the three was they were the only three of all the kings that were actually reared by their mothers instead of tutors and guardians. An unfeigned faith, a genuine walk with God has great influence in your children's spirituality. It's not always a guarantee. But boy, let's eliminate as many excuses and reasons as we can. This is important. Please follow this in this narcissistic society we live in. Parents, don't use faith as a means to show off to others. Your children see it. Don't use your faith as a show for others. Your kids will know it isn't real. It's attention-getting. You use your faith to teach them that life, and it's so true, is all about God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Chapter 3, excuse me. 
Verse 15. It says this, And that from a child, speaking still to Timothy, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know what I learned from this? Timothy's mom taught him Bible. It wasn't his Greek dad. I'll tell you that. It was his mom. As parents, we do need to be able to instruct our children in the Word of God. Starting from the time when they're very young. Babies still. Desiring to get God's Word in them, to give them an understanding of the Word of God, to teach them how they can uh, read and, and understand the Bible. Teaching them throughout the day, looking for the opportunities to bring out principles of God's Word. Our children need to know why we believe what we believe. They do. It's, it's, it is, it's never been enough. It's not just our culture today. It's never been enough in any time for you just, just, just to tell your children, this is just what we believe. Let them see why we believe that from the Word of God. To have an understanding of it. Teach them different principles. Teach them why we are to be different from the world. Man, as they go out into this world, and as a Christian in the day we live, and all of a sudden, boy, if I actually, your, your kids are going to be challenged by this. Wait, I'm going to be really different if I follow the Bible. You are. That's challenging. I, listen, I, and I can relate to that just, just by, you know, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Going through the changes and becoming a Christian. Or, or just the fact, even before I got saved, the challenges when we would move and I'd head to a new school. The fear, the trepidation, all that would come in with all these people that I have no idea of. And, and, and how to deal with that. If we're going to teach our children, listen, we've got to follow Bible principles. Here's why we are to be different. Let them be able to know, I know why this is important. I know why I need to do this. Not just because mom and dad said so. Again, you're teaching that obedience without relationship that is going to be so dangerous because when you're gone, so is their faith. Teach them why church is important. Don't do things to minimize it in their life. Let them know why we hold it so important. I mean, get into chapters like Ephesians 4, of what's taking place here, of why God has given pastors and teachers. The importance of, as it says there, it concludes with such a great mark, for the perfecting of the saints. Our growth. Teach them the importance of why they need to have right friends that want to honor God. Listen, if you wait till they have the wrong friends to do that, to try and instill that, you've lost. Preventative is so much easier than corrective. Get them in the Bible. I knew as a parent, and, and, and as all the kids were small, of course, Levi's getting ready to graduate high school, the last of our five. And our first one finished high school. What year would you have officially graduated high school, Daniel? 
2009. So it's from 2009, now here it is 2023 with our last one graduating. But when they're all small and trying to figure out how as a parent, how do I get them in the Bible? At, at, first, I, I, at first, I sort of made it, and you pray for wisdom with this. I, I, I think each home might have a little bit different dynamic to it, that there might not just be one set answer. But I know this, if you will seek God, pray for wisdom with it, He will provide it. But at first, I did the hard-nosed thing, you will be in the Bible. But then, I had concerns about that from the beginning, because I didn't want it, because Dad said so. I didn't. Scared me to death. So I said, I've I got to change that. I've I, I got to figure out a different way to approach that to get them in the Bible. And, and trying different things. And, and one thing that ended up working very well for me is with family devotions, when we would meet for those, changing that to where I want to each one, just, just bring a thought from where you read in the Bible. And then let them talk about it. And dads, if they bring up a crazy idea, don't just say, listen, that's really stupid. I don't know how you got that out of the Bible. Don't do that. You want them thinking on it. I mean, you might want to say, wow, how did you get that out of there? That's, that's impressive. I never would have thought of that. Like when Heather and Rachel were little girls, they were very small, toddlers, getting into the tub. And we had a big tub, and they were going to take a bath in the tub. And so they were learning about God's omnipresence, how God is everywhere. And so Heather starts asking questions about this, trying to grasp God's everywhere. And so we didn't know what was going on in her little mind. She gets in the tub and she sits down. And then Rachel got in the tub and sat down next to Heather. And, or, and Heather panicked. No, get up, get up. You just sat on God. And so in her mind, she had placed God there since he was everywhere. And we had to let her know it's all right. It's, it's fine. When you get them in the Bible, please... Remember this, don't use the Bible as discipline. Please don't do that. Stay with what the Bible has given you for discipline. Don't use the Bible, listen, you did that wrong, you will go and memorize every single verse on why you should not lie. Don't do that. Yes, but I've got to get God's word. You do, but you're going about that a really bad way. You're using the Word of God as a form of discipline. You're actually going to get them to turn against this. You're going to have the opposite effect of what you're desiring. Granted, you you need to in your home to try and get those verses into them, but that's not the way to do it. Don't use it as a form of discipline. You want them to see this as Job did, as more than my necessary food. So in Timothy, one thing, one of many things in Timothy's life that helped him succeed in life to glorify and honor God all of his days started back when he was a child where in his mother he saw a genuine, real faith. And a mom who did what she could to instill scripture into her son. Parents and all of us, we need to be real with our faith before this lost and dying world. With heads bowed and eyes closed.
Now, this message certainly was for Christians, but I want to bring this up very quickly. I want you to listen to me. This is so important. It might be the most important thing you will ever hear in your life. If you were to die right now,